Welcome to Touchline Radio. Oh, what a goal! Welcome to Touchline Radio. Feels good to be back. And today's episode is one I've been working towards organizing for quite some time, especially as we head towards the World Cup. Now, imagine living in a country where you can't even train with your team, let alone even play with your friends freely. And when you do, who's to say you'll even make it there? Perhaps the pride we associate with representing our countries is met with disdain from your family or even how they might be viewed in their village. You have to even play in secrecy. With me today is Kelly Lindsay, the coach of Afghanistan's women's national team, and we're going to hear her story. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back, and with me I have Kelly Lindsay. Hello, and thank you for being on the show. Hello, Adam. How are you today? I am quite well. I am very intrigued, and I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. So thank you for taking the time to do this. In your position, I, I just find it so interesting how much you have to go through on a daily basis to to make football possible for these for these girls. If they can make it to the World Cup, well... I mean, that will be such an amazing marker. And, I mean, for for countries from that side of the world, we don't really see them actually make it because I guess their football associations are not so geared towards that sort of thing, at least right now. But how long do you think it would take for, for those that world to, to make it finally? You know, I think by the next World Cup cycle, there's, you know, potential. Jordan was expected to this year, um, and obviously they didn't, but... There's a few, I think the issue in that part of the country is that you have to look at it as a long-term goal, right? You have to invest for eight to 10 years to make this happen. And they're more, they look at it as investing month by month or year by year. They're not really looking at, okay, where do we want to be in 10 years and how do we start the development plan now? And what does that mean? And how do we get a group of players and train them for an extended period of time? Uh, it feels like the mindset changes every, you know, few weeks or every month you think you've establish the plan with them, and then they just change their mind. They go in another direction. Um, so that's, I think, the more complicated thing in that part of the world, in that part. They're just not that focused on long-term development of women's football yet. Hopefully, you know, that'll start to change, and the mindset will start to wrap around. Like, it's worth it for the long term, so you should start investing now. And I think that's really the difference. All the teams, all the countries that have made it have viewed it as a four- to eight-year plan. And I haven't seen that uh, in Central Asia, Southeast Asia, the Middle East. You just haven't seen it as that sort of extended, extensive plan. So is the goal then just to qualify immediately? 
Is that sort of how they're thinking? Um, I mean, I think that's sort of the mindset is if we put a good hard year in, we can win the tournament or we can qualify or we can get into it. And it's just the game has developed so much and changed so much. It's not going to happen with one or two good years of investment. Um, I think you're going to have to find that U16, U17, U18 level. You train them together and try to keep them together consistently uh, for camps and for competitions. I think that's the big thing in that part of the country or that part of the world is there's not a lot of competitions for the women's national teams who aren't at the elite level. So how do they get better? How do they train at that level? How do they compete at that level? Because they don't have professional leagues in their country. They don't have the ability to play, you know, in club tournaments that are at a high level. I mean, they're just barely playing. So to find that competition level, to show the girls what they need to do to aspire to be there, they're just sort of missing that whole platform. So it needs to be a bigger picture outlook on how do you really develop it and how do we ensure the girls have what they need to even aspire to be at that level. Because honestly, a lot of the girls don't know what it means to be at the international level. They only know what it means to play against girls in their country who have only been allowed to play for, you know, three or four years. They're not going to be at the level of Japan. They're not going to be at the level of the Philippines, of Thailand. Um, so it's, it's going to take some time. And there's not the same clubs and academies. There's not the same development programs there. You know, it's very much grassroots and national team. And that's a really big job. <laughs> I can imagine because I've read that you have been coaching via phone and email. Is this true? <laughs> we do spend a lot of time um, phone, email, WhatsApp, checking in, seeing how training's going, seeing what we're, you know, how are they doing? Do they understand the concepts? Are were they watching the videos, sending them video clips and trying to teach them the concepts virtually? I mean, honestly, our last camp in Jordan, the majority of the girls coming, you know, out of Kabul had never played 11-a-side football. That's, that's like the jump from grassroots of just playing five-a-side and and having the opportunity to play. I think a lot of these countries just think it's okay. We, we give girls the opportunity to play. We give them this little pitch. They can go out and kick the ball around. It's five aside. We put a coach out there. But to play at the international level, we all know, I mean, to understand the 11 aside game, to understand the tactics. I mean, we're teaching the girls the positions. What does it mean to be a left back? That's something here in America you teach at age 10, 11, 12, 13, we're teaching it to women who are playing at the highest level for their country. So I think that's where people need to understand kind of where we're starting from, where we're at. We've come a long way, but if we had a bigger investment, if we had, you know, the ability to be consistent with the girls, um, obviously we could grow that much faster. So how have you been able to develop a coaching staff <laughs> We're all volunteer. <laughs> so it's also, you know, it's everyone's got full-time jobs, full-time careers. Um, so even for us to get together and, and chat, it's a big commitment out of people's lives because when they're away from their full-time job, they're with their families, they're doing things in their community. So, you know, I give our entire staff credit. We've got a great staff. Um, we're looking for a great female staff to give these girls in Afghanistan female role models to see what 
strong females can do together because they don't have that. They don't ever get to use their voice. They're never allowed to speak their mind or ask questions in their country. So by having an all-female staff, we can sit in the room together and they can they can speak their mind. They can ask questions about the game. They can start to, one, you know, well, what should I do in this position? Where if you put a male in front of them, it would be much harder for them to ask that question because culturally they're trained not to speak. Um, we do have John DeWitt with us. He's a NASA scientist, works with the um, Houston Dynamo. He's our sports science guy, and he's amazing, uh, and he's great with the girls. And He's a really positive male role model for them, which we also think is important that they can see that men will respect them and will train them as professionals, not as women, which I think is a really important mindset we're trying to teach them. You are now a professional. You're not just a girl who gets the opportunity to play football because that's what it's viewed in, in their country. And we want them to see themselves as professional women striving to be their best. And that is the other half of the entire battle, the psychological one. Now, it's, <laughs> it's one thing to, uh, to, I can imagine from a coach's perspective of trying to motivate your players to play, but for them to play freely mentally and, and, and let those chains go, it must be a different beast altogether. Now, have you been, have, have you seen a bit of a change in, in their attitude? Definitely a change. Definitely a change. Uh, when the girls come into camp and then go back to their communities, you can see them already starting to, to stand up more in their communities, wherever they're from. I mean, we have a team from all parts of the world who were either born in Afghanistan or their parents were. Maybe they're refugees, maybe they're immigrants. Many of them were born and raised in Afghanistan and um, are refugees. So it's a good connection back to their country, but they all live within the Afghan culture on a daily basis. So no matter where they're living in the world, and this is where I think people struggle to understand that, is they're still living in an Afghan culture and they're struggling with their identity on a daily basis because that culture is so different than the Western world. And they have to have one foot in, yet they want to also fit into the culture and the society that they're living in currently as a refugee. That's really difficult to know who I am, what I am, what can I be? What's possible? And I think a lot of people on the outside miss that. They don't understand that that is a really hard internal battle for these women. And then obviously the ones living in the country, there is no respect. It's a very interesting, there's like no respect for women in the country. They walk on the streets if they're allowed to, which are girls. It's a, that's a big challenge just to walk to training every day miles and miles. There's so much street harassment against women. They get hooted at, hollered at, touched, grabbed, stones throw at them, little boys shouting at them, men trying to grab them and touch them. Like, we don't often speak of that, but that is a huge thing that goes on in these women's lives, and they're willing to go through that and, and show up to training every day and keep trying and, and keep finding that outlet to play football because it's a moment of freedom. And although it's not the same freedom as me in America as a kid going out to the field and caring about nothing but football, they still have to worry, what if their hijab pulls off their hair a little bit? What if it's hot and they take the tights and the sleeves and they roll them up a little bit and now their wrist is showing or their elbow is showing or their forearm is showing? 
it's hot, it's humid, they're just athletes training and they're so concerned about those things because if someone snaps a picture or someone puts it on social media or whatever the case might be and it gets back to their parents or their uncle or their cousin or the federation, people get upset over that. And all they're trying to do is just play football in these hot, you know, environments. Sometimes you're going to sweat. Sometimes your hijab is going to move a little bit. Sometimes the sleeves are hot. But these things weigh on their mind. And these are just things that most people don't think about when they're playing football. Wow. <laughs> That's really I, – I can – what was it like for you to, to take this challenge on? This must have been quite a change <laughs> for you too, I can imagine. I mean, honestly, I feel like I'm still learning every day. I feel like, you know, we were brought together as this group to teach each other. Myself and my staff, we still have a lot to learn about the culture and how we help and how we support without putting, we always talk about, we're not trying to make this an American team. We're trying to ensure that this is a team that really defines Afghanistan and makes people of Afghanistan proud. That's our goal. So part of the challenge is we need to understand that. We need to be in it. We need to learn every single day the culture, the challenges, what the girls are going through, how they're thinking, how they're feeling. And we have a big language barrier. So it's not like we just can sit around the table and have open conversations every day about how you feeling and how are things going. And so there's the language barrier, there's trust. I think innately, if you're born into a war torn country, it's really hard to trust. It's hard to learn how to trust. It's hard to know who to trust. Innately, it's really difficult for us to earn their trust. I think we've done a good job of it, but I think that's something we have to work on every single day from afar when we're together, that trust is always an important thing with teams, but I mean, this is a really complicated level of trust. I mean, it's the human level, it's abuse level, it's you know things they've been through in their life that we just never would think about or understand, and we have to you know, break down, get out of our world and our blinders and, and sit with them and understand who they are and where they're coming from and why they do what they do. Because a lot of players in the world play because they want to be professional or they want to get a college scholarship. I mean, these girls play because it's a moment of freedom. They play because they want to make a statement for their country, because they want to show other women that it's okay to come out of your home and have a dream and go for it. I bet I couldn't talk to, uh, you know, a 13, 14, 15-year-old girl in America and her say the same thing. Why do you play football? To teach other women that it's okay to dream, <laughs> I just, it's not quite the same. So I think understanding who they are as people has been uh, a good challenge for all of us. And that's why I think we both, we all learn from each other every time we're together. We learn from them. They learn from us. We keep building this path together. Nobody's trying to take it on their own and go rogue. We're all really trying to build unity. I mean, what was it like when you when you met them for the first time? Because I, I can imagine, or I'll, I mean, the tra for you to travel and see them in Afghanistan, I'm not sure if that's exactly very easy to do or possible. What was it like when you were able to meet them? What was that? What was that moment? Well, we aren't really able to do it in Afghanistan, so that's one of our huge challenges, that we have to host all of our camps outside the country. Because if we want the girls from outside and the girls from inside to come together, it's only safe to do that outside the country right now. We're not at a point where security is and safety, we can guarantee people's security and safety by all going there together. So we've never as a team been in Afghanistan together. 
I first met the girls in an airport <laughs> and um, we're, you know, trying to go to India together and we all show up at the airport and, you know, airports are already crazy, hustle, bustle, this, and trying to just learn their names, uh, trying to understand who knows a English and who doesn't, who can translate, who can work, you know. So simple words, a lot of smiles, a lot of thumbs up, a lot of high fives, and everyone has the opportunity and we're doing this for a special reason. And sometimes words just go over people's heads, whether they're speaking in Dari and I don't understand anything, or I'm speaking in English and they don't understand anything. Coach with our hearts and we put everything out there that when we get on the field, that's all that matters. Football. Everyone kind of has the concept and we can build. I do a lot of time running around the field, you know, grabbing a player and moving her here and grabbing this player and moving them here and translating between Swedish and Dari and English and German and trying to ensure there's some words that everyone kind of consistent words everyone understands so we can just all sort of get on the same page and and start to build this together. So it takes an open mind from everyone, every player, every coach, every staff member. We all really have to have an open mind going into this. It's never easy and it's never straightforward. Well, what would it mean for you to see them through and actually and finally make it to a major tournament? Oh, it would be huge. Um, you know, I kind of envision, I never knew how long I would be with this program when I when I came on board. Um, like Khalid and I often talked, is this a two-year project, a 20-year project, or something in between? My ultimate vision, I think my proudest moment, would be I am really searching for those players who we can turn into coaches and then start to bring them into camp and coach, are you 16 team or are you 19 team? Um, retired players coming back to the women's national team so that I can teach them how to be a coach at this level. Ultimately having them take the team over and leading them to their first major event. To me, that would be the epitome of this role. I don't really see myself being the one that gets them there because I truly believe in Afghanistan when women will have the equality the power, the strength is when they are the ones who lead the team. So my bigger goal is to find the players who are currently on the team, are probably going to retire soon or who have retired recently, how we can get them their coaching licenses, how we can bring them back into the fold, how we can get them coaching the U16, U19 team. And I want to see them one day take the team to the World Cup. Well, so is there support from, from FIFA? How is, how is the network allowing you to, to sort of help you achieve this dream? Well, I think you said the right thing, the network. Um, one thing I've really learned, it's hard when you're in the system. It's hard. Federations and FIFA and there's these rules and only certain people have certain power and can ask for certain things. So what I've really learned is the network we build amongst the women's coaches, the women's committees. When we reach out to each other, we've – had some success getting a couple of our players getting their B licenses by reaching out to other federations and asking for support. I know you're running a UEFA B course. Can we get one of our players in? She's done her C license here. So a lot of the network, and I think if, if you really break it down and you talk as human beings to each other, like everyone wants to help. They just don't know how. And we're in a country that's really hard for FIFA to help. We're in a country that's really hard for other federations to help because people can't just come in freely and 
run a clinic or run a camp or run a coaching course, it's not a safe country to go into. So we really have to network a lot, build a lot of relationships, and try to find those moments that we can help build the program by asking for help and support from other federations. And we found it in Europe. We found it in Asia. Um, a lot of people have been great and more than willing to have these discussions and want to sit down with us and understand, how are you guys doing this? Like, how is this possible in your country with everything going on? So I think people understand it's going to be a slow and steady process, and I really appreciate the countries who have asked, how can we help, and then have stepped up and done it when we needed a little help and support. So it's a it's going to be a slowly, slowly, you know, process, but that's okay. It probably can't happen quick. We won't be able to play at that level quick, so we need some time to develop. So what would you, what would you say is something? Well, I mean, there's a lot definitely that has been learned since you started, but would you say you're, you were the same person from when you started this process to where you are today? Not at all. I think uh, I say this in the kindest of way to myself, and I think all humans are. I was very ignorant. I didn't understand. I still learn something every day about, you know, other cultures, not even just Afghanistan, the other cultures that our girls live in, Swedish, German, uh, even Canada, you know, that I'm neighbors to. And I just think it's a beautiful experience for all of us, no matter where it goes. I've just learned that when women come together and we focus on not the winning, but this bigger goal of how we can really help change the face, uh, opportunities for other women. Yeah, it could be a very slow process, but I think I've really learned patience and consistency bring a lot more value than a quick win, if that makes any sense. Um, and I think that's good for probably all of us who were competitive athletes who know that we could go out and in a week of training, we can get our body to this level and we could, you know, compete at this game and most likely we can win this or that. Like patience and consistency um, and understanding your, your own ignorances, I think are very powerful lessons for me for, my, for the rest of my life. It's a totally different experience because on the basis of it, we look at things like results and, and stats and standings and everything, but this is, there's a whole different, it's, it's, it's development, it's a developing way of thinking which which is everyone who's involved with this project i can imagine is that's that's very much the core of it and allowing these these women to actually do something that they can finally feel there's a freedom to must mean so much more to them uh and to and to pull the kid on because i also read that it is not easy for them to even represent their country because they're looked down upon for doing that of course um is there a way to instill that element of, of that sort of national pride? Is, is that sort of something that they, they look for too? I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head with this one because most countries, if you become a national team player, you're a hero and you become a superstar and you're on Twitter and Facebook and social media and people love you for the most part. We all, there's always instances. Well, in this country, when you do it, you're called very negative names. Um, you're seen as not a woman anymore. Um, you look less, the status of marriage goes down. So there's these thoughts and these ideas 
that people don't even understand. For these girls to choose to do this, they are already facing criticism right out of the gates. Um, and in most countries, it's a dream to get there. And of course, it's a dream for them. But it comes with a lot more personal sacrifice to you and your family. So your family also has to agree to this. And not just your parents, your uncles and your cousins, because there's a lot of pressure from the outside to say, why are you letting your daughter do this? Women don't do this. So it's not even just the shame of the girl. It's also sometimes can be the shame on the family. And if anyone thinks about that family dynamic, that can get very big very quick. And there's a lot of our girls that face that all the time, everywhere in the world. Once they hit 16, 18, if they should be dating, you don't date, you just get married. And once you get married, you don't get to play football anymore. And these are some of those social dynamics that people don't understand that we deal with. And some of our girls are being so strong about it and saying, no, playing for this country is more important than that. And then people say, why? You're, I mean, you're 110 in the world. Why is playing for your country so important? But that pride, that idea that they want to be the team, that for the first time, the country rises and says, we are proud of this team. They've been proud of the cricket team, obviously. They're proud of the men's football team. This team of women want to be the first team that the country of Afghanistan says, we are so proud of you. And that's a huge shift in mindset. That's a huge shift in culture. That's going to take time. But what we often talk about is whoever joins this team and is a part of it, you're building that foundation by being a strong woman. You're showing that you can be very feminine in a woman. You don't lose being a woman by being an athlete. It enhances you. You're a better woman when you become a good, strong athlete as well. So it's a huge shift of mindset. And yeah, the rankings matter, and we pay attention to them because that's what the outside world wants. But we also know that there's so much more we're doing on a daily basis, and the rankings will come. When we get our culture right, when we get our mindset right, when we build that internal strength, I mean, these women need that internal strength to stand up and say, we want to be the best in the world. We want to be the best we can be. And not just say it, but own it, own the everyday activities that it takes then the rankings will really change. Well, it's funny because I, I wanted to ask you this right off the bat, but of course we just kind of went right into it, and, and, it's, and it's true. It's, it's, I can feel how much this means to you and living with it every day, and I, had to, I just was really curious to, to find out what was the process to get the position, and, and truly, and now I understand so much better, but... Out of all the possible jobs in world football, why this one? <laughs> to me, this one matters more than, than any other job. And I say that humbly. Obviously, all the other jobs are really important. But, you know, I've had my, my challenges in my life where I've looked at football in different ways. And the one thing that I've really come to is anyone can coach football. The X's, the O's, the tactics, the technique. I mean... Those things are so teachable and coachable, and you can learn that. But the culture change, the mindset change, helping women understand who they are and what they can do in this world, especially from countries like this, especially from areas of the world. In all my world travel, seeing how many countries still treat women as second or third class citizens, that's where my passion is in football. That's why football matters to me now. Winning a World Cup, that's going to be someone else's job. What I love to do is build the culture that allows coaches and players to be in the best place and space to make their dreams happen. 
So I coach from a very different point of view now in my life. I used to be all about winning championships, national championships, want to win the World Cup, want to do this, want to do that. And then I realized, and I also say this very humbly, that's not what's most important to me in my life anymore. That's not what my gift is. That's not why I do what I do. And that's okay because other people will do that. I'm here to really work with women and, and empower them. And slowly but surely, that's a process that will take time. And as you've seen, it's not as easy as just showing up one day and then showing them that things can be different. There's so much more to that. It's about, I guess, changing the mentality, trying, well, trying to enhance their mentality and, and build upon, and, and I guess, self-esteem too. Well, self-esteem is huge. It's huge. And I think that's big across girls and women globally. No matter where you live, self-esteem is a challenge. So that's a great, that's something that sport does that people need to, you know, understand and respect. If sport could do anything, it definitely helps with girls' self-esteem and health. And those two factors are huge in a woman's life, far beyond the soccer field. Well, then what's, what is next for, for you and the team? What do you have planned and what's, what's coming up? I mean, our goal... We're still, our goal was to go to Japan. Um, the Federation has canceled that trip, so we're not going to be heading to Japan as a team. Their next big event is a focus on the U19s and the Asia qualifications. So that'll be a good next step. And then hoping to get the women's national team back together near the end of the year for a trip to UAE. So heading to Dubai and trying to get that organized. We've worked with them and they're very keen to help us out and compete against us which to me is one of the most important things at this point is these women just need international games to understand what the landscape should really like for the future. And then they can train at a different level knowing what they're trying to do. I honestly hope, and I will be watching now, and I, I'm, I'm going to be paying attention, but it would be a dream come true to see this be fulfilled one day at a time, one year at a time, for however long it takes. But I really believe that this is... If there's, so I feel almost silly to say this because I don't know what I or I or anyone could do. But if there's any support uh, that that's needed, I mean, this is this is the global game for a reason, and we we do live on the hype and the excitement of watching the game. But there is so much more to it. It's it's these things that are happening, sort of in silence, but they're they're making big waves, and I just I I deeply believe in in your dream. Thank you, Adam. We really appreciate it. I mean, honestly, any support and opportunity to tell these girls stories because, you know, it's, it's somewhat a voice for the voiceless. They don't always get to tell the honest truth about who they are and where they come from and the challenges they face. So it's a, it's a step-by-step process. And hopefully, you know, I always say it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a global village to raise this team. So we appreciate anyone's support from around the world who, just pays attention and supports us and stands up for us when we run into challenges along the way. And there you have it. That was Kelly Lindsay, the coach of Afghanistan. And there you have it. That was Kelly Lindsay, the coach of Afghanistan's women's team. What a job. What a story. And I hope that, well, by listening, you perhaps your perspective was able to open up just a little bit and I hope that we will all be watching a little bit more and indeed this dream, this ambition that she has, at least very much for the long term, which is remarkable, knowing how much work actually needs to go into 
creating this reality for this national team and for the future of these women, well, you just, I really hope to see that it becomes fulfilled. If you'd like to follow Kelly Lindsay, you can find her at Coach AFFWNT. And if you'd like to support the Afghanistan women's team uh, on their Twitter, you can find them at AfghanistanWNT. And this is Adam signing out from Touchline Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Much appreciated. You know where to find me. It's a quick Google search away. So, anyways, until the next time, bye for now. You've been listening to Touchline Radio. 